foursome still met in the school holidays. So then Arthur had decreed that Tripp should learn the business from the bottom up and had sent him to live and work in the city. But when the Ryan family moved there, Tripp and Emily began walking out together. Incensed by the news, Arthur had uttered an ultimatum. Give Emily up or be disowned. Tripp had stood up to his father and, with his mother's help, had married Emily. It could have meant the loss of his inheritance, but never for one moment did Tripp regret his decision. Emily was everything to him. However, following his father's serious stroke, Tripp was back working at the factory alongside his half-brother Richard, Arthur's illegitimate son by his mistress, Belle Bowman. It was an arrangement that suited them all, even though it was somewhat unusual. Now Tripp put his hands on his wife's shoulders and kissed her forehead. Ah, so you've heard too, have you? Mix back. Emily looked up at him. How did you know? Tripp laughed. The cutler's grapevine's been hard at work, but I do have some good news. Oh, thank goodness for that, Emily murmured. George Bays is coming back to work. Is he? That is good news. He came to see me this morning. And since his wife died last year, he hasn't known what to do with himself. I thought he was going down on his knees at one point, but there was no need. I'm only too pleased to have him back. And so's Richard. George Bays had worked at Trippett's factory for a long time and had been foreman there for several years. But about two years earlier, he'd given up his work to nurse his terminally ill wife. How old is Mr. Bays now? A sprightly forty-nine, so he tells me. A puzzled frown crossed Tripp's forehead. What is it? Emily, attuned to his every look, asked softly. Are you worried about Mick and and what he might do? Tripp pulled a face. I suppose so. We'd better all be on our guard. But it was something George said that set me wondering. Emily waited patiently as they sat down to their evening meal together. Tripp picked up his knife and fork, but then hesitated, staring into the distance as if he was seeing not the food in front of him, but something quite different. He asked how my father was, and I told him there was no change. But it was when he inquired after my mother that there was this look that came into his face. In fact, his whole demeanour changed. How do you mean? When he didn't answer at once, Emily said, Don't let your meal go cold, Trip." Trip began to eat slowly. His mind obviously is still elsewhere. Between mouthfuls, he said, His inquiry about father was, well, just the sort of thing you'd expect him to ask. He's worked for the family firm for a long time, and whilst I suspect he'd had disagreements with my father from time to time, I think he respected him but it was when he asked about mother that his genuine concern showed. Your mother's a lovely woman. Everyone who meets her likes her. Loves her, even. Slowly, Tripp turned to face her. That's it, Emily. You've hit the nail on the head. I don't understand. When George Bays asked about her, he didn't say, how's your mother, or... Even how's Mrs. Trippett? Emily frowned. I still don't see. 
His words were, How's Constance? He used her Christian name. Emily gasped in surprise and stared at Trip, her own meal forgotten too now. You mean, you think he's in love with your mother? I don't know, Trip said slowly. But then he grinned. Though I intend to find out, this calls for an excursion to Ashford on Sunday, and when I casually bring into the conversation that George is coming back to work, I'll just watch Mother's face. Emily chuckled. Your mother won't give anything away, I can tell you that now. We'll see, we'll see, he murmured, as, suddenly realizing he was quite hungry, he attacked his food with a great deal more interest. And besides, he added, We really should warn Josh about Mick.